we're just people that are early adopters that are trying to figure out the best uses yep. for it for real life applications. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the AI for Good podcast, where we try to shine light on how you as a nonprofit leader can learn to use AI for good. In today's episode, we're going to discuss how to write the perfect prompt for a chatbot. This is an important skill for anyone who wants to use AI technology effectively. We'll discuss in detail the importance of context, parameters, and using a specific identity for the chatbot. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Matt Sides. With me is Sam Wheatley and Dylan Bose. Well, I thought, you know, today we could talk a little bit about how to craft prompts for these chatbots so that our listeners can excel in creating prompts that get you exactly what you want. We can dive a little deeper into that. I think it's an excellent topic. I think it's something that you know, a lot of folks have questions about. We've talked a lot about prompts just getting started. Yeah, Microsoft on their blog released a uh, a post that was just sort of about, uh, yeah, how to level up your your GPT usage. And uh, so I thought we could just walk through this a little bit and kind of explain and maybe give some examples of what we've done in our own in our own work to try to play with it and get it to do what we want to. So this is remember that Microsoft owns Bing. Bing has a partnership with ChatGPT or with OpenAI, which makes GPT. Uh, and so this is straight from Microsoft. And I thought this would be a pretty useful resource to sort of walk through with our listeners. Basically, the thing to remember, there are a few things to remember when you're crafting a prompt. The structure of the prompt is made up of two parts. So there's context and then the task or query. In other words, you need to give it some context about what you're going to be looking for and like what the parameters are, and then create the task, query, question. One example for me that I've used is I wanted it to come up with a meal plan for my family. And so rather than just, I could say, I could provide just the task or query and say, write me a meal plan. But that's so open-ended that it may take some time to refine it and get it to do what I want. Instead, what you can do is provide some context. You can say, my family is two adults, one one-year-old baby. I want to go to the grocery store uh, once per week. Um, we have no dietary restrictions, but we would like to have a meal plan that is um, affordable for our family. So that gives it some context and some parameters within which to work. And then you ask, then you say, okay, now go give me this meal plan. And that is going to give you a much better result. Yeah. So you're, you're setting the stage and you're providing more context. And so like, I, just as an example, like I, I do Spartan races and stuff. And so you can say, how can I prepare for a Spartan race? Or you can say, I'm a beginner. I've never done a Spartan race before. I'm competing in six months. How can I prepare? Right? So now you're not only setting the stage, but you're giving it more context to work with. And I think it's helpful if you sort of imagine mm -hmm. the person you want it to be. Like if you want it to be like, I want a menu in the style of Bobby Flay, or I want a Mediterranean based diet, or I want you know, if you can kind of imagine the chef or the person or the trainer right. 
then that helps you craft that backstory. Yep. Yeah. Before you before you give the prompt. Yeah, and I we've all we've kind of joked about this a lot, right? Where we talk to it like it's a person. Uh, yeah. And we say please, <laughs> and we say thank you. Um, but that goes right with what you were saying, Sam. Is that you know, imagine the person you're talking to and just talk to them, right? You, yep. you can type it out, yep. and that's that's what separates this from anything we've had before, and that it can figure that out, yeah. right? If you write several sentences that are gobbledygook, it, it's going to make sense of it for you. So, I follow a couple of chat GPT um, folks on Instagram, and here is one of theirs, like for editing and proofreading. Mm-hmm. And this was their prompt. You're an expert proofreader. First, correct this text for punctuation, grammar, and syntax. Then rewrite it with those corrections and list any edits you make below the new text. Ah. Explain Explain your reasoning. Yeah, right. that's good. So you're telling the AI to assume an identity or, and or a profession, right? Like this is very helpful if you're mm-hmm. writing anything. Assume, you know, you know um, from the point of view of an English professor, and I'm handing this term mm-hmm. paper in, you know, edit this paper or whatever. Yeah, I, it's, I, there's something, it made me think, it's almost like counterintuitive. I found, I found myself having to transition into this, but like we're talking about you speaking it to it like it's a person, right? And, but I found that I've had to train myself to be super naggy <laughs> to them. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's almost like I felt, this is so weird to say, I almost felt like um, I was being annoying by providing too much context. Because, you know, if you're like, <laughs> if you're, if you're talking to a coworker and you, and you say what you just said, Sam, with your, you are a expert proofreader and you need to first do this, then do that, then list the reasons why it's like, oh my gosh, I never want to work with that guy ever again. But, <laughs> but if you kind of think of it like talking to C3PO. Or yeah, something, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, you you have to it like it wants it wants those parameters and boundaries. It thrives with that. So I've had to like I've had to sort of grow into that and be better about providing all that context. Yeah, and so one of the things that I've learned recently uh, in dealing with it is that it remembers that particular conversation, and that's why if you've ever used it, there's a clear conversation button. And so if if it ever gets yeah. too muddy. Uh, I think a good tip to remember is just clear the conversation and and start over, right? Like if you're not getting the answers you're looking for, if it's if if it's assuming things because you've given it a lot of other contexts that it shouldn't assume, things that it right. probably shouldn't know, um, you know, just clear the conversation and, and start from the beginning. It's it's one of the things that's helped me out a lot lately. Right. Yeah, that's great, Matt. And also, it's not a one and right. done. Like you can yep. get an answer and say refine it according to this new parameter. Like, that's great. Thanks. But now add this piece of information. Yeah. Yeah. I've given it. That's the craziest part. I've, you know, I've been working on this fantasy novel. And so there's been a few sentences I, that just, I want rewritten and I've used it some to help me with that. And I, I, it's almost like it's learning my tone of voice and how I want to write it, which is really good. But it also is because it doesn't have all the context. It'll start making assumptions. And so it'll assume that this thing's a dragon when it's not a dragon, you know, which is really funny. And so I have to clear the conversation. I have to start over because it's gotten all this context that I've given it. And it's just gone and, wow. and started making up its own story, which is 
both fun. It better get like a, a shout out in the in the title card of your yeah, book when for it sure. this sells book, a million copies. <laughs> this book was partially <laughs> edited and some sentences rewritten by ChatGPT. Yeah, I mean, t- and uh, one one of the things we've talked about for this podcast is being transparent about how we're using yeah. AI for like this pr- production. And so, a lot of times, what I'll do when I'm writing the show notes for the episode description for the podcast is I will put in the audio file and get a summary of the of the episode from Parrot AI, who we've interviewed, uh, one of the founders of a- of Parrot AI, and then I will take the summary and put it into Chat GPT and say, "Take the summary, create a compelling but clear and concise description of the podcast episode." And so then it sort of expands the summary into a little bit more of like a, you know, engaging, compelling kind of thing. And so, yeah, it's pretty cool. I've been using Parrot as well. Like I do some coaching. And so I'm able to record my coaching sessions Mm -hmm. with people and then not only produce a summary of that meeting and it's helpful to then send them like, here's a to-do list or here's the key things we talked about, but also to turn that that interaction into like content for my blog or my LinkedIn newsletter, other, other uses. So it's super helpful for like multiplying something that would have just evaporated into thin air, capture it and then repackage it for other content uses. Well, and, and more, and just as importantly, very easily, right? Like it just makes it so much easier. So you're not transcribing what you just said, you know, you can also get the, get the transcription, but you can get a quick summary as well. And I, I think that's just to me, super important for anyone who's, who's doing anything like what we're doing, especially having meetings, we're going to start using it in our meetings at our nonprofit. And um, I mm-hmm. think that's going to be a, a big benefit to us. You know, though, there's less likely of a chance. How many times do things slip through the cracks? You know, when you say it, right. you forget to write it down. So, yeah, I can imagine like a nonprofit, this would be super helpful for like board mm-hmm. meetings mm-hmm. to be able to just record your board meeting and automatically, instantly be able to produce a summary and send it out to everybody. Right. And then it also, you can warehouse that. That summary for future references. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you said it best, Sam, you said before, like we record the videos, but no one ever goes back and watches mm-hmm. them cause they don't have time. But if you have a transcript that you can, you know, control F, if you can find what we were talking about in that transcript, that's going to be super helpful for a lot of people. And it allows you to sort of turn off, you know, when you're in a meeting like that, or you're brainstorming, some percentage of your brain power is occupied in, oh, I better not forget that, or I got to take this note, you know, whatever it is, 20%. And then, but sort of it allows you to like turn that part off and funnel all of the, all of your brain power into just coming up with fun new ideas, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's been helpful for me in that too, just in that it, it, it frees up like, what is that they say about, you know, the decision-making uh, decision-making fatigue is what it's called. And I experienced oh, yeah. that quite a bit at work and man, does it just help me with that? Like I, I don't feel as brain dead at the end of a long day of work. Cause I do a good bit of coding and a lot of problem solving, mm. which I really enjoy. <laughs> but if I can give some problems to AI to solve for me, I'm, I'm there, man. It's <laughs> yep. Totally. Speaking of coding, Matt, how have you, how are you using, or are you seeing any changes in the coding capabilities? I've seen a good bit. And so, 
Um, we've had so a lot of the issues that we have is we're is like merging code, and when code isn't, um, you know, when you've got two different sets of code base code bases. Um, but as far as like code checks, it's been super helpful for that, and that I can just copy and paste a, a bunch of code and have it just do a code check and find out where the errors are, and that saves me a good bit of time. Um, I've used it a good bit. I did see a statistic recently that ninety. Two percent of developers are using AI for programming now. That's mm. that's almost that's an unbelievable amount, <laughs> considering this stuff just came out in November. But you know, we remember yeah. just a few months ago, Samsung developers got into a lot of trouble because they were using AI to check their code, and then a bunch of stuff got leaked from programs and software that they were working on. So um, I thought mm. that was interesting. So it just goes to show, like the big boys are using it as well. So. What were some of the other advice from Microsoft? We talked a little bit about refining. And I, to me, this is sort of the most magical thing about interacting with these chatbots is to, you submit a prompt, it gives you a response, and then it's not, you know, a lot of times it's not exactly what you're looking for. It's pretty amazing, but you think, oh, I could actually, this could go a little bit further. And then to be able to, like, almost... It's it's almost like completely conversationally. You can just say change this, and and it it, it does it, and it's actually totally amazing. I came up with this um, this prompt for Midjourney for generating a photo on Midjourney that I I really liked the result of it, and you know it had like a type of camera that was used, a type of photography, and you know an exposure and all of these things. I'm not a photographer, so it was it was like it was cool to get it to look like what I wanted it to look like. So I input that prompt into chat GPT and I said, provide five or six variations of this prompt for generating an image. And it did that. <laughs> it gave me different f- cameras. Like I don't know all of the cameras that have all been created in history. It gave me different cameras, different angles, different light sources, lenses, all these types of things. But but it it kept changing the it also gave me variations on the subject whereas I wanted the subject and the location to remain the same so then I just I responded okay do that but keep the subject and location the same and it knew what I it knew what I was asking for like I didn't say it knew what's I typed the word subject and it knew that that meant oh that's the person in this prompt. It was absolutely amazing. It's like talking to to a person. So that that refining you can really drill down and get closer and closer to what you're looking for. So you can also use it to customize your news feed or to figure out um maybe an area of interest that you have in world politics or a certain er- field of expertise and you don't want to scroll through tons and tons of news feeds to figure it out. You can just prompt GPT to say Find the latest news about whatever, or a company, or an organization, or an individual, um, and provide a summary of the three most important events that have happened mm. in the last week or month or year for this. That's awesome. And so that's really super good. helpful for like scanning instead of having to be like on Google Alerts for something and scrolling through all kinds of Google Alerts around a topic. Especially if you have like an arcane area of interest, you know, that is never going to show up in a typical news mm-hmm. feed, but somebody out there is reporting on it. Right. Yeah. 
if you get the article in another language, then you can just say translate this. Right. Yeah, I'm just thinking about, you know, l- like being able to gather information quickly like that and not having to sort through the, you know, the gamified like search ranking stuff. For a long time, it's been exhausting to just think about Googling something because you know I'm going to deal with sponsored results. Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with results where they've just, you know, sort of gamed the SEO stuff and then they're going to try to sell me something. And you you become quite sophisticated, you know, like uh, with, with trying to see through that information. But to be able to ask a question about like a like you're saying, Sam, a, a, a something in the news or a topic of interest and just get something that's pretty a pretty great summary of whatever you're asking about. You know, there is still like the concern, okay, well, we do need to still check our facts and all mm-hmm. of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, especially if you're using this for your work. Um, but um, but it's a much better starting place and it's just so, it's so much faster. Yeah, and I'm finding that, you know, the both Bard as well as Bing are adding more footnoted, mm-hmm. yeah. direct links to things that are actually taking you to sort of more trusted news sources or valid sources on the topic that you're searching. Yeah. For. Right. We both, you both made a good point too, that I, I found it's interesting is that it, I feel that too, that it, there's that Google fatigue. And I had a friend recently who was wanting to learn Spanish. Yeah. And so I didn't recommend AI and I'm kind of kicking myself now, but you know, you, I, I could see a prompt going something like I'm looking to travel to Peru in a few months, uh, can you recommend some local colloquialisms and some easy to learn, comprehensive, right, ways to learn Spanish in the next couple months? Uh, and probably get a lot better results because if you Google how to learn Spanish, I imagine the results are going to be overwhelming. That's why he oh, was messaging yeah. us. He was like, do you recommend this, you know, and right. this, this software, this software, whatever. And we were like, well, you know, both are good, but you know, in a couple of months, it's going to be tough. So anyways, it's, I think that, you know, it's, it's super helpful to understand that, you know, like the Google fatigue is real in just about anything. Um, my mom's shopping for a new car and I'm already tired of Google. So <laughs> just looking for <laughs> reviews on a single car is almost impossible now, right? Like it's, it was really tough. Mm-hmm. It's almost as like we, uh, we've killed the, you goose that laid the golden mm. egg, right? right? Like, remember back in the day when Google first came out or search engines yeah. came out and it was like, oh, this amazing thing. And then we've now loaded so much on top yeah. of it that it is like almost, it's not fulfilling the original yes. joy or purpose that it. It's almost like um, infinite information is the same as zero information. Yeah, and I'm not, I don't know enough about calculus to make a to make a, a comparison to like uh, calculus, but um, yeah, or worse, negative infinite. <laughs> um, and it almost it, one of the things that actually makes me optimistic about AI technology is it feels like we're returning to more civilized yes. information set. Yeah, and what I love about it too, and this is another pro tip, is if it gives you too much information, you can always ask it to, you know, simplify that or tell me. I the one prompt that everyone is using is to explain it to me like I'm in fifth grade. Um, <laughs> you know, we in our very first interview, uh, you know, we were t- talking about that as well. Um, 
but yeah, Google yeah. has come a long way from being a, a server in a case built of Legos. And uh, now they're just, <laughs> it's overwhelming. Wait, is that actually, was it actually built in a case of Legos? Yeah, the so their, their very first server couldn't hold the hard drives that they needed. And so they built a case out of Legos. And uh, that's, that's the nerdiest thing Legos. I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. That's how Google got its start. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I'm excited about that. And uh, you know, the the question is something I've been thinking about a lot. Is you know, you used to have that. You it used to be the case where you had the one friend who was into something random, like bow hunting or something. And you know, you wanted to know something about bow hunting, so you would call that friend and be like, yeah. "Hey, yeah, like, do you know?" And and I almost like I just realized this a while ago that I sort of mourn mourn that world where there were only people had expertise that you had to have that human connection to to understand something yeah. and and there was some there was a preciousness to knowing something about something <laughs> and I do worry that this is taking us even a step further away from that where literally i mean this it's the there's a, there's obviously a major upside to the fact that anybody with an internet connection can learn anything about anything i heard sam altman say something like that in an interview he's like we're we're headed towards a future where everybody in the world can have a better education than anybody in the world can have right now mm -hmm. like regardless of income location status which is amazing absolutely yeah I tend to discredit both the 10% on either side of this road. Mm -hmm. You know, the it it's going to be amazing and it's going to be horrible. I kind of just get rid of both of those. Sure. And so it'll be a mix of both, but I do think what it's reintroducing, like we were just talking about, is the idea of gatekeepers. Yeah. You know, like your friend who knew how to bow hunt was your entry point. They were the gatekeeper. Yeah. And you had to ask them about this world that they knew about that you did. Yeah. And so because it was a friendship, there were advantages mm -hmm. to that. Like you had a guide. Right. But there were also disadvantages of having gatekeepers, which meant that only, you know, affluent people only talk to affluent right. people. Yeah. Or, you know, people with access to elite private colleges only talk mm -hmm. to their friends and right. family. And so the gatekeeper is both a benefit and a detriment. And so mm -hmm. in some ways, chat GPT or the, you know, LLMs are giving us the ability to circumvent certain gatekeepers, but we also have to recognize they are themselves a type of gatekeeper. Right. right. An inscrutable one too, where the, <laughs> the creators the don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and like I like what you're saying, Sam. It's like the gatekeepers were also like Sherpas if you had the connection to them. So they the they could right. walk you through. And now there are no gate now there are no gatekeepers. But maybe we need to be proactive about, you know, becoming Sherpas to people out of like just I, I don't know. I guess I, I'm just trying to like keep track of what the human element that we might look back and say, Oh shoot, we missed that, you know, and I just want to keep track of that as we go along so that, so yeah, maybe we just need to be proactive about being Sherpas to each other, like as friends and, and as 
colleagues. I mean, I feel like that's kind of what we're doing here with this podcast, right? Like right. we're not deep into it. AI experts, right. You know, yeah. we're just people that are early adopters that are trying to figure out the best uses yep. for it for real life applications. Yeah. And right. instead of the three of us, just having an internal conversation about it, we created yeah. a podcast. We're utilizing AI tools yeah. to broadcast it to the biggest possible audience of other nonprofit folks out there who are in similar straits as we are. Yeah. yeah. And I, it's interesting too, because the three of us use it in three diff very different distinctive ways. You know, uh, we all have different approaches and stuff and we're all learning from each other too, which is fun. And so yeah. in a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's brought us together. Um, I do agree with you a little bit, Dylan, in that uh, I do miss that personal touch, but a part of me feels like that ship has already sailed. Um, yeah. You know, and that it reminds me a lot of like the blockbuster and that you didn't miss it until mm -hmm. it was gone. But, you know, yeah, yeah, totally. Blockbuster's gone, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, what I'd give to go back to a blockbuster again. Um, I think there's still one left in Washington State, which is very interesting, but uh, oh, that's funny. a different story for a different day. But yeah, I miss the personal touch. Um, you know, because if there is an expert in something, but at the same time, not not everyone knows someone who's a bow hunter, you know, that we can call right. up. So. Matt, do you want to give us a little recap on on this this Microsoft article about crafting the perfect prompt? Yeah, I'd be happy to. And you guys can jump in and, and add. So just to recap here. So starting off to help improve your prompts. One is establish kind of a groundwork or your context and then offer background info. And so that's mm -hmm. the, instead of telling you, I'm just training for a marathon, how do I do it? Tell them that you're a beginner, tell them how, when the race is, it's Height six weight. months. Yeah. yeah, tell them as much info as you can. Uh, so two yep. was talk to it like a person. Uh, we all do that mm -hmm. here. We say please and thank you. You don't have to be polite to your AI if you don't want to be, uh, but we are, we're polite. <laughs> Uh, and then two, instruct or three, <laughs> instruct it to adopt a specific persona or a role. And that's where you tell right. it to look at this from the perspective of a, business, of a business owner or an English professor or a journalist or anything like that. And it's very good at adopting that and being critical based on what role you told it to take. Uh, and then the fifth note that I had for us to review was to just kind of keep it on track and to keep it clear. And so if you ever feel like you know, it's it's going off track. Just hit that clear conversation button and you can always start over. And refine. Refine, and refine, it. refine. Yeah, refine yeah. and hit that regenerate response and give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down, you know, if it's good mm -hmm. or bad. You can even cross um, different models. Like you mm -hmm. can get an answer in chat GPT, put it in right. Bard and ask to refine it. Like, mm -hmm. I think we did that recently. We had an exchange where yeah. I gave the chat the Bing answer and Matt gave the Bard answer. <laughs> and they were, they were very different, but both very helpful. Um, they were. I thought it was interesting. I read through them both and I got some good stuff out of both of them. So. And I guess a, a final thing too is, and we talk about this a good bit, but it's you know always ask it to simplify it or shorten it. Um, you can mm -hmm. tell it to explain something in three sentences or less, you know, which is usually helpful if you're in a hurry. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the AI for Good podcast. 
If you enjoyed today's discussion, we kindly ask that you help us spread the word by liking, sharing, and subscribing to our podcast. By doing so, you'll help us reach more nonprofit leaders such as yourself so we can help them learn how they can use AI for good.